Mr. Shaw, I would first like to thank you for your Enemy of the Surveillance State podcast. I just recently started listening to all of your past episodes. A few years ago, I dissolved my relationship with Google and Microsoft. I switched to ProtonMail, DuckDuckGo, the Brave web browser, and the Linux-based Ubuntu operating system. But there was still one thing I lacked, and you helped me identify that in your very second episode. My hard drive and its contents were not encrypted. So, this past weekend, I did a fresh install of Ubuntu and upgraded the OS at the same time. I selected the option to encrypt my hard drive. Welcome to Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and joining me today is Henry from TechLore. You all may remember Henry, uh, those of you who listened to the last episode where I had Start Page on. Uh, Henry is the intern that got me in touch with the good folks over at Start Page, uh, and we had a great episode last week. This week, we're going to be talking about Henry's uh, community, TechLore, and the things that they do to help educate you about how to protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. We'll talk about that and probably more. We'll just see where the conversation goes this week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. All right, Henry. Well, I hope third time's a charm. Uh, And for you (laughs) listeners, here's what I mean by that. Uh, I've had some technical issues on my side with the recording, and uh, this is our third time starting this recording, and I'm watching my levels and everything looks good, so I think we're going to make a run with it this time, Henry. Uh, First of all, brother, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me again, Mitchell, (laughs) for third time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, here's what happened, folks. Um, Henry also, besides his own community, TechLore, which we're going to talk about, he interns at StartPage. So he discovered my YouTube channel where I upload all of this. If you're listening to it on like Podbean or Stitcher or wherever, there is also a YouTube channel where I send this so that I can get people who prefer that format. You know, they they, they want to listen to something on YouTube or watch a static video and, and hear it that way. Uh, I wanted to reach out as wide as I could. So Henry discovered that YouTube channel and reached out to me to say, hey, I intern with start page and uh, would love to introduce you to them and see about having them on your show. So we did that and it was fantastic. If you've not heard that episode, be sure to go back and listen to last week's episode with start mail. I had a couple of the ladies on uh, from there and we talked about how to get Google results without having Google in your life. So how to do a really concise internet search, uh, a Google type search, uh, but still do it while maintaining your privacy using start page. So check that out. Uh, but Henry, again, brother, welcome to the show. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. It, uh, uh, it, it was it was refreshing to find your channel because um, it really does seem like you genuinely put time and effort into um, into doing good work. Uh, I think I, I talked to you about that before the call with StartPage. It's like there's not many people who are really passionate about this, and you could really see the passion go through the video and and the, and the audio in your case. Yeah, well, thanks so. for that. I'll tell you, um, I am, you know, it's probably not healthy, Henry, but I am motivated sometimes by fear of loss more than I am motivated by hope for gain. 
Uh, and when I close my eyes, I've, I've got a young son. Uh, I've got adult children as well uh, and children that are coming into full adulthood. And, you know, I've got kind of a wide range. But I look at my young son and I think, you know, he's growing up in a world where uh, th- there's an adage that I use sometimes. What, what one generation accepts, the next generation expects and future generations will defend. Right. So what I don't want to happen is that one day my little boy is an adult and he says to me, not only, Dad, it's not a big deal that they're listening, but Dad, it's great that they're listening in because they're keeping us safe. Right. So I am passionate about it because I know their end game and my end game is that their end game fails. So uh, and that's I got to tell you, I, I, so we're going to we're going to send kudos back and forth. We're going to be like the mutual admiration society here for a second, Henry. And I hope the, the listeners don't get too weirded out by it. But I love your content. And I popped over to your YouTube channel, and I know you're more than a YouTube channel, so we'll talk about that. Tech Lore is more than just a YouTube channel, uh, but one of the things that I was impressed with is your ability, uh, and I think it's a rare gift. There, there are a lot of guys that understand tech, and there are a lot of guys that understand sort of the philosophy of why privacy matters, but they don't really have the gift of communicating that in a way that non-technical people can go, oh, wait. Now I not only know how bad the problem is, but I know how to fix it. Because I like to say that this should be as simple as baking a box of brownies. If you can follow the directions on the side of a box of brownies and bake brownies, you ought to be able to install a VPN, encrypt your hard drive, uh, encrypt your texts and your emails. You ought to be able to surf the web securely. You ought to be able to hide your IP address. You ought to be able to do all of these things that you need to do. And I listed some of them there. There's a lot more. Because somebody took the time to write out a simple recipe for you. And that's what I see you doing. And and when I say simple, folks, I don't mean uh, that it's simplistic. I just mean that Henry uh, and in particular his his group, uh, this community, TechLore, they, they go the extra mile to sort of digest this for people who aren't super technical in your understanding of all of this. And you can just follow the recipe to privacy. So... Thanks for that, Henry. Tell us, tell us a little bit about TechLore. How did it come about? Where does TechLore come from? Well, so I guess, so TechLore. So what it is? Uh, first off, it's it, it is currently mostly a YouTube channel. However, we do a lot of projects within the YouTube channel, and that all, YouTube channel lives in other places. And we also have communities. We have our main channel content. You're just going to find the standard YouTube stuff, right? Top five email providers for your privacy. Um, things covering just the 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 normal stuff that you're probably going to want to learn about. Um, that's what we consider kind of our normal content. Um, however, we have other projects like Go Incognito, which is our free course, which it really is, I like to think, the ultimate guide from start to finish, taking you through security and privacy. The coolest thing about Go Incognito is that if you're an advanced user, there's hundreds of pages of, of scripts for the video. This stuff's been planned for months, in fact, years now. And um, it's good for beginners as well. And everything is set up in a way, um, there's even like color-coded backgrounds to tell you how advanced the topic we're talking about is and how that ties into your threat model. Um, everything has been thought of to make it as easy as possible for people. Yeah, um, yeah so I didn't tell you have, this, but I've actually poked around a little bit in, in Go Incognito. Let me see if I can get that out here. I uh, poked around a little bit in there, and I got to tell you, I think it is just about the complete ultimate course, and I can't believe it's free. I mean... We'll talk about monetization and kind of how you, because uh, clearly I know as uh, a guy who does this, that 
you have to justify it by asking people to help, right? So uh, I want to talk about that so that uh, I'm going to talk about my Patreon in a moment and my Teespring account, which is how people can support this podcast, because um, you know, you got to recognize a model that says, look, I could take on advertisers, but then you know that I was bought and paid for by an advertiser that says, hey, hawk my tool, even though there are way better tools out there. And in fact, my tool sucks. Uh, tell people to use my tool because I'm paying for your podcast. Or you can yeah. say, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I'm never going to have advertisers. And I'm going to ask the people that take value from my show to consider putting value back into my show by supporting it for a few dollars a month on Patreon or picking up a T-shirt or a laptop sticker or something on my Teespring account or something like that. So I do want to talk about how you do that. But first, I want to say, man, it is super, super cool that you've made this course available for free. Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're definitely taking a, <laughs> a loss on the course. Um, the course is kind of just something that I feel I need to do. And um, maybe by the end of it, because we do have a premium version that's going to be out, it's going to be the same exact information. It's just going to have other um, things like um, checklists and stuff like that, just to take the convenience and the easiness of the information to the next level. Um, but the information is going to be exactly the same. And we're also going to cut out the ads and we're going to try to improve the production quality a little bit. But um, so the the premium course will maybe bring in some extra revenue, but no matter what, this project took hundreds, if not thousands of hours to put together. And I'm most likely, I could have probably used my time for better things if we're, if our goal is money. Right. Um, but, but we can talk about uh, monetization later. Um, outside of that, we also have a podcast, Surveillance Report. It's weekly news. Um, I think going through other podcasts is how I found you, actually. So I was going through and trying to find other security privacy podcasts. And um, I didn't find it on other podcast um, clients, but I was also just using AntennaPod to look for things. Right. Um, but when I looked on YouTube, that's when I did find uh, Enemy Surveillance State, and I was like, ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> Finally, awesome. I found something. Well, I'm glad. Um, I appreciate your diligence in finding it. I, I, yeah. I, I tried to make it easy. Uh, apparently, I failed, but I'm working on that. Yeah, well, well, I mean, part of my job is to look to see what's happening in the in the privacy world. Uh, I, I probably spend about 10% of my time a week just going through news, um, going through other creators, seeing what other people are posting, just because it's important to see what other people are talking about. Uh, your opinion might be different, and it's important to hear the other side and see what other people are saying and how they're interpreting situations. Um, so, And finding new creators is part of that as well, because frankly, I'm not very happy with the selection of, of the, the amount of content creators we have. Right. In the privacy world. And the ones that we do, I have a very short list of people that I truly do respect because I, I just see the passion just run through their content because you can't uh, score passion. You yeah, you can't. can't. If you if you see passion in the, in the content, you're going to feel it. Yeah. And that's what I love seeing in some in some channels. And I see it in yours as well. I appreciate that. Uh, I forget who the comedian was. It'll come to me as soon as I say this, but then I won't come back and say his name. George Carlin. There we go. It was George Carlin said, sincerity is the key. If you can fake that, you've got it made. You really can't fake sincerity and you can't fake passion. You either really care about something and you're genuine about that or you're not. And that's, I'm going to throw it back at you, Henry, because I see that at Tech Lore. I see that like this matters to you and I appreciate that. I think as much as you appreciate it coming from my end. Um, I will tell you, I agree, by the way, with the, 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 it is slim pickings, sadly, 
uh, out there. Now, now, by that, I don't mean that there's not some good content out there. There's some great content out there. Fantastic. What I mean is there shouldn't have been a place for C. Mitchell Shaw in this genre. This genre should have been so packed that I had to think about doing a some other kind of podcast, right? Like this should be as packed as the true crime genre. You should type in the word privacy or surveillance and you should know that you better have packed a lunch because you're going to be there for a while picking through this major long list of great podcasts and, you know, YouTube channels for you to find the content you're looking for. Sadly, that is not the case. Uh, You can type in the word privacy or surveillance and, What you will find is a bunch of stuff that pod faded six years ago and they had six episodes up and it's still up there because they're, they walked away from it. They're not even going to take it down or you'll find one or two really good podcasts on whichever platform where you're listening. And then if you search other platforms, you'll find one or two more and then one or two more. But uh, the space does not overrun. Our cup does not runneth over and it really should. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do think there should be a lot more people um, doing it too. Um, and the more people who cover it and the more people who have their creative input into how to address the issues, I, I think the better that we can spread the overall message. Um, that, that's kind of the goal. Um, right. Yeah. And, and with room um, for disagreement, because, you know, I may go to one doctor uh, and he says, oh, yeah, you know, your knee's inflamed and, and we need to do surgery. And I go, yeah, before you take a knife to my knee, I'm going to go and talk to this other doctor and he goes, oh, you know, you could just take chondroitin and I think we can rebuild that, that cartilage and I think you'll be fine. So you get different opinions and then you have to make an informed decision. And after listening to all of that, I may try the chondroitin for a while and then wind up going in for a knee surgery. Or I may try the chondroitin and figure out that it was great and I, I'm really glad I didn't go in for knee surgery or whatever. So the, com- the comparison here, the sort of like, where are you going with this, Mitch, right, uh, is that, you know, one one privacy guy that you listen to might say, hey, I would never, ever, ever use that VPN. And another guy says, I love that VPN. Or, you know, I use I use Proton Mail. And another guy says, well, I only use Start Mail. And it's like, well, let's talk about the pros and cons of each of those so that every individual listener out there, the person who's got to make that decision for themselves because they've done their own threat assessment first, somebody helped them to figure out how to do a threat assessment, like what what matters to me, what is it I'm trying to protect. Once they figure that out, they land on a particular tool. Uh, and I love the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I'm going to put a link uh, in the show notes uh, to your stuff, Henry. So uh, before we get off, uh, you know, be, make sure to shoot me a message for um, your all your different pages and the different projects that you've got. And I'll make sure to to put all of that in the show notes. Um, but I'm also going to put a link for the EFFs, uh, the Electronic Frontiers Foundations. Um, I forget what they call it. Privacy. Uh, I'll, I forget what it's called, folks. I apologize. But I'm going to put a link for that down there because they've got a whole uh, course of sort of like how to protect your privacy. Now, uh, EFF makes a decision that they never recommend a particular product or tool. They won't say use start mail or, you know, use this encryption or use, uh, you know, this texting service. You know, they won't say use this browser. They just won't do it. They talk about principles, not specifics. And I respect that. I take a different approach. I think that if I've tried a tool and I've tested it and I've read what others have got to say about it, it, you know, like Ed Snowden has addressed it or some other expert on the topic has addressed it and they've got all good things to say about it. And in my experience, it's been good. Why not recommend that to you? 
why send you out as a listener, right, Henry, to to go find something on your own that I could just go, hey, actually, this will help you. Just use this. Do, do yeah, you, yeah. Do I mean, you agree with that? Can, it, it, it depends on the, the style of content, I think. Um, so for us, sometimes if we're just addressing a technical topic, then we will leave recommendations out of the, out of the question. But if you're looking at something that's like, um, well, here are your three best email providers, then we will cover what we think are three best email providers you could use. Um, I think it really does depend on the style of content. I think there's there's room for both of them. Oh, of the exactly. Options. I'm saying like I respect that EFF makes the decision that they make, that they say, well, look, we're not going to do that. And here are the reasons. And they give good reasons. I don't disagree with any of their reasons why they made the decision they made. I just know that. Um, what I'm trying to do with my podcast, and it sounds like a lot of what you're trying to do with tech lore is engage people and, you know, it becomes more like a conversation, particularly a podcast, a podcast. You know, I, I sometimes forget that I'm sitting here in front of a microphone wearing headphones and staring at a computer screen. It's like I'm having a conversation with a friend and my friend is saying to me, Mitch, what email provider should I use? And I'm not going to say to my friend after mass on Sunday or over, you know, standing beside the barbecue grill on a Friday night, I'm not going to say, dude, I don't make recommendations, right? Like, let me tell you, let me, let me give you this long treatise on email security. <laughs> and then you go figure out an email provider. I, I would just say, man, you know, there are a couple of good ones. I like proton mail. I, I know some people that use uh, Tata Nota, if I'm even saying that right. I know people that use Start Mail. I, all three of those are good. I prefer Proton Mail, and I tell them why. I give them my reasons why I landed on Proton Mail. And, and and it seems like you take some of that approach because you do recommend like here's some great VPNs. Uh, and then of course, do you ever do you ever get into like here here's here's a VPN you should never ever use, and here's why. Yeah, well, one one of our big projects that we do is uh we do community driven VPN reviews. So we we have a community chart that people can go in and modify it's kind of like that one privacy site except that one privacy site's kind of been outdated for a while so we're hoping to replace that on our ends um we we do reviews so we have a systematic way of scoring things as well it's all public and you can make modifications to it you can use your own review protocol if you think that something should be worth more than something else um in general the whole vpn industry is very scummy and and i'm not a fan of it um, so our goal is to kind of bring light to it <laughs> because there, there really is, there aren't many resources that people can really go to that could be 100% trusted. I think privacy tools IO and that one privacy site are probably the main two that people can really rely on. Absolutely. It's, it's, so it's a tough industry. Yeah. And you're right. The, the, the VPN industry is, I, it's a great word to describe it. Scummy. So right after I switched to Proton VPN, which I really, really like. Um, right after I did that, a friend of mine, um, reached out to me and she hadn't, this is just someone I actually know in real life and she listens to my podcast, uh, but she hadn't listened to my episode on VPNs. So she shot me a message, uh, texted me and said, uh, Hey Mitch, you know, I'm looking at VPNs and, uh, you know, I, I won't name it, but she listed a certain VPN and said, what do you think of it? And I was like, I don't, I don't remember why I don't like that. Let me go look at it. I know I don't like it, but I can't remember why. So I go to this VPN and you go to their page and right off the bat, it's all this, like, this is the silver bullet all in the world. You need is this VPN. If you're using this <laughs> VPN, you are a ghost. You, you don't exist on the internet. 
and nobody can find you. Nobody can backtrack you. You're private, 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 private. They don't they see use things. loving the term anonymous. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you're totally anonymous. You're, you know, you're. A, I think they actually use the word ghost, right? Uh, and if I'm wrong about that, that's certainly the the idea that they put forward that you just like you <laughs> cease to exist. Like nobody's ever going to find you. You're you can see, but you can't be seen. And of course, they leave out little neat things like right up until you sign into your bank account or right up until you sign into your Facebook or your email. All of a sudden, you are not invisible. You, I, I see you. I see you. Um, so, you know, and then on top of that, uh, there's a button you can click to see, like, am I protected? Now, remember, I'm running Proton VPN. I click the button and they tell me I'm not protected. They tell me that they can see my IP address. Well, my IP address was in Iceland. <laughs> they show me my IP address and I'm like, yeah, that's not actually my IP address, but thank you for that. The whole thing though was that it's just click this button and we will tell you that you are not protected unless you were already using our service. However, if I'm already using their service, why would I be on there clicking that button? Right. And then once they tell me I'm not protected, the very next page that pops up is how to sign up with their service that they've already lied to me about the goodness of. And so it is, it is, it is scummy, scummy, scummy. And then there are a few out there like Proton VPN uh, that are very, very straightforward. Like, Hey, look at it's a VPN. It does what a VPN does. It won't wake you up in the morning and hand you bacon and eggs. It won't protect your privacy. If you log into an account, uh, you know, nothing is perfect. This is a tool in your toolbox. You should also be doing these other things. If you're doing these, uh, it's sort of like when I was a kid, and I don't even know if they still do this now because I've not watched television, television in a hundred years, right? But you, you commercial for whatever cereal, part of a complete breakfast with milk, juice, and toast. It's like, wait, if I, if I, what if I just had milk, juice, and toast and didn't even eat your cereal? Would I, would that be a complete breakfast? I think it probably <laughs> would. Uh, do I need to add sugar for that to be a complete breakfast? But on this spectrum, it's sort of like they're saying, look, this is part of a complete package along with this, 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 and this. If you're doing those things, this is going to help you. If you're not doing those things, this all by itself is just this all by itself. But you're, you're exactly right. And I, I, I could rant about this for a minute because you really hit a hot button of mine. That oh, you, I mean, we, we could. And it's not just marketing, too. I mean, if, if we look at like affiliate plans and stuff like that, um, the way that they're abused and the, the lack of transparency behind them. Um, it's not just abused by the VPN companies, but uh, people themselves. Um, so it, that's why I say just the entire industry, people who, who recommend VPNs, people who run the VPNs, affiliate managers, managers for VPNs. My overall experience, because we have affiliate plans, <laughs> so I have to deal with this. Um, it's been very negative. So who, who is we in that regard? You say we have an affiliate plan. So tech, tech Lore has an affiliate plan? Oh, well, te tech Lore, tech lore is as a, yeah, as a group. So okay. on GitHub, you can actually find our VPN reviews. You can see our protocol, and we have very strict affiliate requirements. So unless something scores a certain amount through the systematic protocol, we can't even open an affiliate plan with them. Um, and on top of that, we have the right to cancel any affiliate plans that we feel we need to cancel. Um, if people are, are saying that they don't want the affiliate plan, then we cancel it. Um, but that doesn't ever influence the reviews. And the cool thing, too, is we never post just an affiliate plan link. So in the, in the YouTube description for a VPN review we do, you're going to find a normal link right next to the affiliate link. So it will say right there, like, if you want to support us, use our affiliate link. 
Otherwise, just use the normal link. We're not going to force you to click an affiliate link. And that's how it should be, because it should be transparent enough for people to make that decision. See, people I, should make the choice to want to support you. I've actually considered that. Like, um, you know, I don't know if any of the tools that I even recommend have affiliate plans because I've very deliberately never even looked into that. But I have considered the idea that like, OK, if if and I'm just picking, for instance, I don't know the answer to this and I'm not pushing them to do this. This is literally just a what if if Proton Mail has an affiliate link and they would pay me, you know, three or four or 20 or 30 or whatever dollars for every new customer that signs up on a paid plan. Um, you know, would I do that? And, and I don't know if I would, but I know if I would, I would always list both links. Hey, here's the link. If you want to throw me a couple of shekels and if you just want to tell me to go pound sand, but you want to get this tool, click this link. It'll take you to the same place. You can buy the same thing and I won't make any money. But if you want to support me, click that first link, because I think well, you've got to be that Proton transparent. Does, Proton does have an affiliate plan. Just okay. Well, okay. And, um, I, I and um, if you want, you could actually label what we, we have very strict requirements on our GitHub. If you want to, I can send that link afterwards. Um, but we have like fully laid out rules. People have to hit certain requirements. We're not allowed to um, even look at affiliate plans until the reviews are done. Things like that. We, we, we just, we, we can't really favor something just because of an affiliate plan. In fact, our, I think our top four recommendations for VPNs, two of them don't even have affiliate plans. We just, we, we can't favor that. Exactly. No, it, that it, wouldn't be transparent. No, it, um, it, 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 yeah. you know, not only is it not transparent, but it lacks credibility. It lacks integrity because I know if if everything you suggest to me is something you're making a dollar off of, I can't trust you because there are things that you couldn't make money off of that might be better tools. You're just going to never recommend them to me because there's nothing in it for you. Right. So everybody has to have their own model. And I don't, by the way, because I landed on the model where I said I'm not going to take advertisers, I don't diss anybody who does say, look, our show is ad supported or our program is ad supported. I, I don't diss that at all. I get it. It's it, it was a, it was not an easy decision for me to make. I wrestled with it for the several weeks before I launched the show, like because I know, look at I mean, this is a job. It's my side job. But it's a job. I work at this. It takes a lot of time and energy, a lot of mental effort and a lot of work that I could be putting into writing articles for the New American Magazine or creating video content or um, narrating audio books or some, some of the other projects that I do that make money for my family. I have a wife and children to feed, so I have to support them. So I did have to. I will be honest with every listener. One of my first questions when I decided to take this project on was, how can I make money doing it so that I can justify doing it? Not just break even, but I have to make money. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. And I knew in the beginning it wouldn't be. But is there a path to me being able eventually? My goal is to be able to do this full time, which means I'm going to have to be able to make a living wage to support a family doing this. Right. So I had to ask, like, do I do that with ads? Do I do that with affiliates? Do I do that with, you know, selling my own products? Do I do that with you know, how do I do that? And then I finally just landed on, I'm just going to use Patreon uh, and ask people to support me. And my plan is to never, ever, ever have ads. I might consider in the future affiliates, but I would be bare naked, honest and transparent about those affiliate plans. And it would only be That's... something that I, I can honestly say I would have recommended this either way. And you can get it without without the affiliate plan. That would be the only way I would do it. Yeah. And I think that honestly, it, it really is a great setup. 
because I, we said we'd talk about monetization later on, but yeah, our largest source of revenue is from affiliate plans. Okay. Um, next up is normally YouTube AdSense, but our largest source of revenue is typically affiliate plans. And the coolest thing is that there's really no loss to the person watching because like it is transparent. They can choose not to support us, but most people do. Most people like the reviews. Most people like that we keep things transparent and systematic and they want to give back. And that is the best way to support us. One of the best ways. Um, we do have a Patreon and we do make some good stuff off Patreon, but um, it's nowhere near our highest amount of income. Yeah. And, and the thing is we could make, that's kind of the spooky thing about affiliate plans is that we could be making a lot more money if they were abused. Um, and that's the sad reality. Most sites do abuse them. I've seen a, I've seen a VPN review website that did an individual review on a service. I'm not going to name the service, but the service scored incredibly well. Um, it seemed like the site actually did proper reviews because they, this is a top, top notch service that doesn't have an affiliate plan and they gave it a pretty high review. I went to their, they had a, like their top 10 list on their site and the service was just gone. <laughs> it just wasn't there. Um, so their top wow. 10 list was, um, pretty much sorted by like, <laughs> um, commission rates for VPNs. And um, it's weird because their top 10 list was totally different than their actual reviews and the score that they gave for the actual reviews. So that's kind of the stuff you'll see on lots of the VPN review websites. And it's it's pretty unfortunate because I feel like they could still make a lot of money and still keep things transparent. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to maximize profits, I guess. I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I and, guess, right? and I'm not anti-capitalist. I describe myself as a greedy capitalist pig. I am, however, an honest, greedy capitalist pig who wants to be able to look himself in the in the mirror and, and not be ashamed of what I see. Uh, I would like to go to heaven, so I don't want to mislead people or lie to people or get over on people. Uh, I, that's just not who I am. Uh, if I tell somebody that they should use Proton VPN, it's because I'm using Proton VPN and I've looked at the others and I landed there. And I'll tell you why I believe that, why I use Proton Mail, why I use uh, DuckDuckGo and now Start Page. You know, in fact, I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier this or late late last week uh, about Start Page, and he was, you know, he was really stoked because he heard my my episode on that and checked it out. And the only thing he didn't really have a good understanding of was the view in anonymous mode. Uh, and once I explained that to him, he just lit up. He was like, "Man, this is the best thing in the world, right?" So yeah, to be able to recommend this stuff to people and then to know that people are putting to use the things you're talking about and that their lives are now more free, that they are breathing a little more easily about their data flow, about where their personal information is going and how much control they can now exert over that is very rewarding. I'm probably, you know, having this conversation, I hadn't even thought about this and the, you know, I don't script my show uh, for my listeners. I mean, we kind of, when I bring a guest on, I talk about like, Hey, let's kind of map this out. We, we chat for a few minutes about like, Hey, just like, give me some particulars and then let's just have a conversation and see where it goes. We'll make sure to work those particulars in monetization was not one of the things we said we were going to talk about. It just popped into my head while we were talking, but having this conversation, I am more considering uh, adding along with Patreon adding an affiliate plan. Look, here's a link if you want to support me. Here's a link to the exact same thing if you want to tell me to go pound sand. I don't care which one you click, but if you want to support the show, be sure to click that first one because I think yeah, that's transparent. Yeah, I think it's fair. It'd be great to see that and because um, it, it is hard to monetize, right? Like you have to pick a monetization model that ideally you have control 
over the monetization model and you're not having to rely on sponsors or ads and have to recommend things you don't actually believe in. Exactly. Um, be- because that's that's our biggest gripe as well. Um, we don't take sponsors just because, and, and I mean, it is hard to pass it up. Um, we've gotten, I've, I've gotten, I think, a $1,000 offer on one of our most popular videos to just put a link in a description. That's it. And I just, I just, it was for a crappy product. It was like a PDF <laughs> viewer or something like that. And it's like, well, like, there's not really much of a loss here, right? Like, whatever. But also, like, do you really feel good recommending a piece of crap product for for a thousand bucks? Yeah, like, what's lo- that thousand bucks going to mean to you ten years down the road? When your integrity and, is shot in the head, and once you take that first step into, okay, fine, for a thousand dollars, I will. D-. It reminds me of that conversation, uh, and it may be apocryphal, but I don't really care. I love to quote. Um, Winston Churchill, some of his real zingers, he's having a conversation with a lady and he said, Madam, would you sleep with me for a million dollars? And she said, yes. He said, Madam, would you sleep with me for $10? And she said, Winston Churchill, what kind of woman do you think I am? He said, Madam, (laughs) we have already established what kind of woman you are. Now we are just haggling over the price. Uh, And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. I'll hawk this crappy product for a thousand dollars just because all I've got to do is create a, a quick link and drop it into my show notes. And it's like, but now I've sold that much of my soul to the devil, and it's going to be a whole lot easier to do that again the next time because they're all free after the first time. You're already a liar. You're already uh, a snake oil salesman. So what's one more? Uh, and, you know, I thank God for uh, integrity and the ability to stand and say, look, I've never done that, and I'm not going to start now. Because once you start, well, you've started. So to get back to your original question, because <laughs> we got really off, off track there. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um the the way Techler started, um, and it's it's kind of a weird story. Um, I, I started in high school, and I had to do a biology project where we had to pick items that we would take with us to survive on an island. It's, it's a weird biology project. We had a weird teacher, and um, one of the things that we were looking at was machetes and different weapons that we want to bring to the island because we want to be able to hunt. And everything related to machetes was locked on our school Wi-Fi. Everything, even Wikipedia. So um, I had to research ways of bypassing the network restriction, and I came across VPNs for the first time. So I got the VPN running, and one thing I struggled with was on YouTube, no one made uh, like an actual free VPN guide. And to this day, that's, that's our first video. It's a free VPN, and it's a crappy VPN. It, I didn't know anything about privacy or security at the time. It was just a free VPN. And um, I remember it got like 2,000 views at the time, and I'm like, whoa. That's pretty good. <laughs> 2,000 views is quite a lot of people. And um, yeah, and I just kept making content. It used to be kind of a VPN-oriented channel. And um, I read The Art of Invisibility by Kevin Mitnick. And that was just, then I, I just fell in love with the privacy security side of things. And that's kind of where the channel's been from there. So it kind of just invented itself a little bit. And I've just kind of been going along for the ride. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds really, really cool. So you talk about The Art of Invisibility. Uh, I keep threatening because, you know, we keep coming back to sort of anonymity, right? Like, can I actually be anonymous on the Internet? And the answer is, yeah, yeah, you can use Tor or even, you know, go a step further and use something like Tails. But again, there are caveats even there. Right. And and what I love about the Tor project and what I love about Tails is they tell you right on their home pages, like there are no silver bullets and this isn't one. This is not going to do everything that you need done. You need to follow this very, very carefully and, and know what you're doing or this can be worse than not using something at all, right? But I keep threatening to do an episode on Tor and Tails. 
And uh, I think I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to quit threatening and just go ahead and do that in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do that episode um, because, you know, I think people need to be able to know how they can protect their privacy uh, with a myriad of tools. And if you're encrypting everything, you're a whole lot more private, a whole lot more secure or even anonymous, depending on your skill set at being anonymous, because like I can go out to Walmart, I could wear a good disguise and I would truly be anonymous. You know, they'd catch me on their video, but they'd never be able to say it was me because it doesn't look like me. Uh, can I do that on the Internet? And the answer is, yeah, right up until you identify yourself. So I do all of that. And then I go through the checkout at Walmart or Target or wherever. And I use my debit card to check out. Ding! No longer anonymous. They, they know who I am now. Uh, and so my anonymity is just gone. Uh, and so, you know, it really is. It's not just about the tools that you use. It's about your skill set in using those tools. And that's what I really appreciate about what you do with TechLore uh, is that you take these these deep dives into kind of like, okay, here is here's this entire course on going incognito. And I think that's wonderful, man. I'm going to make sure there's a, a link in the show notes for that. Yeah, well, the cool thing, so you can actually read the scripts. The scripts of Go Incognito have been done for years. It's just, it takes it takes a lifetime to produce the stuff. I don't think people realize how much time goes into each um, lesson. Um, but um, in section six, it talks about anonymity versus um, pseudonyms, right? And how you could actually use both tools. And everything's about layers. Privacy and security is all about layering how much protection you have on yourself. Because it isn't, there is no magic bullet. There's one tool that's going to protect, protect you in this um, scenario. There's a second tool protecting a second scenario. When you put everything together, you might start looking to be anonymous. And the reality is, in my opinion, anonymity doesn't exist on the internet. But what does exist is you layer yourself to the point that no one will want to find out who you are. And that's kind of what anonymity really is, is you're sure. just... You just make it make, too hard. Just, yeah, you make it as hard as you possibly can to the point where maybe not even a state actor could find out who you are but again anonymity is in my opinion also anonymity is also a spectrum depending on who you are um for some people anonymous is just using a pseudonym email on facebook facebook doesn't really have a direct tie to who they are as a person they might have a shadow profile and they might be able to tie things together but as long as facebook doesn't know with absolute certainty who that person is some people might consider that anonymous in their life other people might consider that to be just ridiculous because Facebook can still track your IP address. It's still going to be able to track things together and they're going to figure out who you are more or less anyway. Eventually, um, so eventually. But if I just need to pop onto Facebook for a second to find something and I'm never going to post there and I'm using a VPN and an anonymous uh, or a pseudonym uh, email, then yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yep. So one thing that you said, uh, so I guess to, just to add on to my point, if we look, take your Walmart example. Um, anonymous might mean you wear you, you might wear a face mask, you might wear sunglasses, um, a hat maybe, and you oh, don't the, wear. Oh, then we're all anonymous right? now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. However, again, anonymous means different things to different people. So Walmart's one of the stores that implements uh, Bluetooth beacon scanning. So when you're walking around the store, if your phone's Bluetooth is on, it's actually that that kind of data is actually submitted to advertisers, and it's why people might get products that they viewed in the store advertised to them on Instagram. It's pretty creepy stuff. Um, so that happens in Walmarts. Um, you're, if you drove to the Walmart store, it's very possible that license plate tracking was utilized to figure out who was driving where. Um, those kind of data points can tie to where you were at a certain point in time. So again, like anonymity is a very um, complex topic because it, it really is hard to truly make it as hard as possible to be tracked. So if you were 
if you were trying to avoid uh, the FBI or an actual intelligence agency, I, I don't know if just doing that would have been enough. No, um, no, it wouldn't. Uh, but I guess what I meant by that was like the employees at Walmart wouldn't be able to know who I was, which is maybe exactly. all of us after in that in that particular instance. So I guess to carry the analogy even further, because my point is that it's not just about the tools you use. It's about the your skill set and using those tools and, and thinking about the fact that that I'm anonymous. Right. Like that. that, that that's what I'm doing right now. So uh, so I rent. No, renting a car won't do it. I steal a car. I steal a car. I steal someone else's license plates off of their car and switch them out for the plates on that car. I wear a mask and gloves, which, you know, COVID, you can do that. Nobody looks at you weird. I was in the bank like weeks and weeks ago. I was not wearing a mask. I was not wearing gloves. And uh, the teller asked me why I was not wearing a mask and gloves. And I said to her, I said, huh. And just like that, being the only guy that's not dressed like he's here to rob you is what draws your attention to me. This is a weird time in which we're living. So I do all that. I've got the mask and the gloves. I've got the hat. I've got a fake mustache. I've got a, a mullet uh, wig on and I'm driving a stolen car with stolen plates. And then I use my debit card to pay for stuff. All of that's gone because I didn't remember that I'm anonymous. I didn't remember that I'm not supposed to do that. Right. Um, so maybe the corollary to that would be that I'm encrypted out the wazoo. I'm running a VPN. I'm even on tails or tour. I mean, I, I've got it going on, right? So everything is going through the VPN and I'm on tour, right? And I do all of that. And then I decide, oh, oh, I want to save that picture and post it to my Facebook account. So I copy the picture to my laptop and then I log into Facebook. Gone, gone. I'm no longer anonymous. And in fact, everything I've done in that session is me. Yep. I mean, it, it, it's the correlation. So <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, and that's kind of the danger of some of these tools. I think people go into them not knowing how to use the tools. And the, the most important thing is understanding what each tool does. And the thing is, in the privacy world, nothing's perfect. You're going to read negativity about every single tool. You're going to read people saying you can't trust Tor because um, the government controls some nodes. You're going to read about how some people don't trust VPNs because they're a central, they're, they're just a central um, entity and they could be untrustworthy. You never know what's going to be happening with the VPN. But if you're developing a threat model and your understanding of those limitations and you're accounting for those limitations, I guess, actually happening. And let's say you do count on your government, on your Tor node being uh, compromised by a government entity. Are the precautions you're taking just beyond using Tor? Are you not over relying on Tor so that if it was compromised, you still wouldn't be at a huge risk. Exactly. And it, it, that's, exactly. those are the important questions you have to ask. And I will say, um, Go Incognito takes those questions kind of out of the water for you. Um, if you watch it, you'll likely understand most tools as well as when and when not to use them, why and why not to use them, etc. Because Go Incognito is mostly a mindset lesson. Um, even, even like our, we have a Firefox hardening quote guide as part of Go Incognito. But it doesn't take you through the hardening guide. It just doesn't. It, it, it kind of goes through some of the some of the extensions. You could download as well some of the tweaks. But it'll, it'll just tell you where to find them. The main lesson is aimed at teaching you what hardening does and why it actually makes you a little bit more unique on the internet. If you harden your Firefox browser, it's going to make you more unique. So you have to understand that and what that means for you. That means that you're not you shouldn't be using a very unique browser to make common searches because now all those common searches you're making are tied to pretty much a single configuration. Exactly. Um, 
Exactly. So, so if, if I can, if I can yeah. jump in there. So uh, I lived when I first started using Tor, we were living in a very small town. And when I say very small, I mean, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 1500 people. Uh, and I remember saying to my wife after I started using Tor, I'm like, you know, I stand out like a sore thumb. The whole idea is to blend in and look exactly like everybody else. And I am the one guy who looks like he's using Tor. So now all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not only not anonymous, I'm super conspicuous. Now, if you live in a major city, you're one of 10,000 people using Tor. Uh, you blend into those 10,000 people and all 10,000 of those people look like clones of each other. And you're fine uh, in that regard for what we're talking about here. But when I was the only guy in this little tiny village uh, using Tor, I may as well have put a sign in my front yard. But you live and learn, right? Yeah, well, I guess to expand on that, a couple things. One, you could use Tor Bridges, which which helps obfuscate Tor traffic. Sure, I was brand new um, and didn't understand any of that at the time, though. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and those are kind of that's the thing. There's always an asterisk next to everything in the privacy world. That's why it's important to have lots of people talking about it. So that yeah, not many people know about bridges, and um, bridges are, are a very important tool because there are lots of people that are in countries where using Tor is illegal, and they might block Tor. And what they have to do utilize is Tor bridges because bridges is going to pretty much make your Tor traffic maybe look like Google traffic or Amazon traffic. It's going to pretty much blend that in with what you'd consider normal traffic. To get you um, to that first Tor node. Yep. To get you to your and entrance then, node, yeah. Yep. And I, I guess I, I don't normally recommend comboing a VPN with Tor, but there is a use case for it, even though it's not normally recommended, and that could be one of those use cases where um, if you do use a VPN, at least your ISP wouldn't see that you're using Tor. Right. So now you're trusting a VPN to handle that, which may actually be better if you are, you know, one in 1,500 people in a tiny city or a tiny town. <laughs> and then you have to get into, do I Tor into into my VPN or do I VPN into my Tor? You know, and it's, uh, you know, the, it, it can be a, a real mind wreck. Uh, but it depends, again, like you're saying, on each use case. Like, I have to understand enough of what I'm doing. So, you know, I liken it to electricity. Uh, we've all been using electricity our whole lives, and we we all know the basic rules like, hey, there's a wire dangling there. Mayhaps I should not touch that. But for somebody who doesn't understand electricity, it's not just not convenient. It's deadly. Know your depth. Just because you know how to turn on a lamp doesn't mean you need to replace a breaker in your breaker box. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, and this is not unlike that. Now, if you want to replace a breaker in your breaker box, take a deep dive. Learn how to do that. Watch 3011 YouTube videos on how to replace a breaker in your breaker box. And then following all of those guides, all of that wisdom, sort of can distill it down yourself into like, here's how I do this. And then go do it. You know, you can probably figure it out. But know that you need to know what you're doing. And it's the same thing. Like you're saying, there's an asterisk beside everything in privacy. And there's no like cookie cutter model, like do these six things and you'll be fine. It really doesn't work that way. It is understand these 16 things and you'll figure out how to be fine. Yeah, that's, it, that's perfectly said. It's really, really about understanding mindset. the like philosophy the and the mindset. Yeah, the mindset is where it's at. Yeah. 
And that's 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 part of why Go Incognito is a challenge because how do you teach a kind of a mindset to at this point? I mean, I think Go Incognito the playlist has like almost two hundred thousand views, <laughs> and um, if you add up all the individual lessons, I think we're looking at hundreds of thousands of views. It's going to hit a million views at some point. So we're we're literally talking about millions of people that are going to watch this. And <laughs> how how do you teach a mindset to millions of people? Some of who may have just touched the internet, barely know how to use it, and some of some of them are are advanced and they're going to get bored if it's too simple and they're not going to be able to get something out of it. Um so it's been a serious challenge and I guess part of the way we address that issue is through um several people who reviewed the script all of varying uh, levels of, 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 of how advanced they are in, in the realm of things. One of them have, has never even touched anything related to privacy, and they're the people that are the most important to read over things. Absolutely. Because they're going to be asking the questions like, wait, wait, didn't you talk about search engines in the last lesson? Why are you talking about it in this lesson? And it's like, no, this is a browser. <laughs> And then right. you realize, oh my gosh, this person doesn't know the difference between a search engine and a browser. And I didn't make that to, clear. Yeah, and to us, like that's just obvious. But to a lot of people, they don't know the difference between a search engine and a browser. And that can't be shamed. That's that's an actual legitimate problem. Um, no, you're so, right. And, and sadly, I think in the tech world, there is too much shaming. And I've been guilty of it in the past. You know, um, I have a friend and he listens to this podcast sometimes. So you, you'll know who I'm talking about, Mike. Um, that, you know, he'll, he'll call me because he has what to him is a real problem. Mitch, I've got to send this report to my boss, right? But I don't know how do I, how do I get this into the email? And it's like, oh, what is it? It's a document. Okay. Well, you're going to need to attach that. Okay. How do I do that? And I could be all like, um, Hey, there's this thing called the internet. Ha ha ha. Right. But that's not going to help him and it's not going to make me feel any better. Maybe it would because I'm kind of small like that, but it's not it's not what I'm after and it's certainly not what he needs. So instead I say, hey, have you got your email open? Yeah. And you, you've drafted the email to say, hey, boss, here's my report. Yeah. OK. You see the little thing that looks like a paperclip? Yeah. Click that. What happened? I got this whole list of stuff. OK. I'm going to help you navigate to where that file is. Where is that file? It's on my desktop. OK. You see the little button over the side that says desktop? Yeah. Click that. Okay, you see the file? Yeah, double click that. Okay, you see that? Now click send, click send. You know, and instead of shaming him for not knowing that, because guess what? One day I didn't know that. And one day I didn't know how to encrypt a hard drive. And one day I didn't know how to install a VPN. And one day I didn't know how to switch from Windows to Linux so I could better protect myself. I had to learn all of that. And people helped me along the way. And now I just want to be a guy like Henry is a guy helping people do this, helping people figure out without exactly. shame. There's no shame in not knowing. The shame is in pretending you know, like, because that's where you're going to hurt yourself. It's like, I'm ashamed to ask this question and look like I don't know this. So I'm going to pretend I do know it and I'm going to endanger everything that's important to me. It's like, well, now, now you actually need to be ashamed because that's just say you don't know. It's fine. Find a podcast, find a YouTube channel, find a PDF um, that, explains this and then learn it just like you had to learn everything else in life ever. Cause one day I couldn't eat with a fork and my mother taught me. Right. So it's okay that you don't know. You just have to learn. Yeah. Um, I, 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 a funny person to quote for this. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's actually by Eminem. Uh, at least I know that I don't know. Question is, are you bozos smart enough to feel stupid? I hope so. 
Exactly. And, and it, it, it's true. Like if you, if you know what you don't know, that, that's the most important thing because then it's actually a learning experience for you versus you pretending like you know what you're talking about. And it's only going to lead to your failure in the long run. And this applies to life. It's not just privacy. This, this, this applies to everything. And we, we actually very, very much thoroughly implement this in our communities because there's a big problem with privacy communities, um, especially with gatekeeping. Um, if you, if you join a privacy community, um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I am gonna name call them, uh, the privacy subreddit, our privacy. What I always see there is someone asks, um, how do I make Windows more private? This, this is a perfect example. And this is someone who likely just discovered about privacy. And they're asking on a public forum, how do I make Windows more private? They probably don't know much about, um, but that it is hard to make Windows private. Just even Very if you hard. disable pretty much everything. There's still telemetry data collection happening. Even if you use tools like W10 Privacy to strip some of that, there's still no guarantee that Microsoft isn't collecting some kind of data. It's what they do. And they built it. For yeah, that. It, it is what they do. And you know what the top comment almost always is? No. Just switch to Linux, period. And it's like, okay, so someone here is, they, they didn't ask about switching to Linux. They asked about how to make Windows more private. You gave them zero insight into this. All you did was pretty much shame them for not knowing about Linux, and you're shaming them for even considering using Windows. When at the end of the day, they might have to use Windows for work, for school, um, or they might not have the technical knowledge to use Linux. So just having the options for people and not shaming people for what they have to use and what they choose is vital. And that we actually recently implemented a rule, <laughs> no gatekeeping throughout all of our communities because it was, start, it was starting to become a problem in our communities as well, where people would be like, hey, I understand this thing isn't that great, but I'm still going to use it. But I was hoping I could get some insight into how I could use it with XYZ in mind. And everyone would just go, well, just don't use it. <laughs> and it's like, that's you're missing the point. Exactly. That's not what I asked you. Mindset. It's not what I asked you. I asked you, <laughs> I have to use this. What can I do to mitigate the danger? Well, just don't. Oh, thank thanks for being so helpful. Uh now back to your back to your your thing on the subreddit there. Um that you know, the way people treat other people, just use Linux. Uh it's like, okay, so then the guy could really inflame that conversation by going, All right, so I'm gonna do that. Which distro should I use? <laughs> and then yep. and then launch the distro wars. Oh, I'm looking at Linux Mint and I really like it. Oh, Mint's for losers. You need to use Arch. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> you know, real Linux users use Fedora or Red Hat. It's like, oh, come on, guys. You know, my mentor in all of this way back in the beginning when I was first figuring it out, because I'd had my my last blue screen of death on. I didn't actually. Here's my dirty little secret. I didn't switch to Linux over anything related to liberty or privacy. I switched to Linux because I had had what I wanted to be my last blue screen of death on Windows. And so I reached out to my nerdiest friend. I love him. He's a great guy. His name is Adam. I plan to have him on as a guest on the show soon. And I said, Adam, what do I do? And he said, man, uh, you know, have you thought about Linux? And I said, yeah, you know, I've looked a little bit at Linux. And then I said, um, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing all these different distributions. And he said, Mitch, stop right there. Any Linux distro is better than Windows. Just pick one. And that's 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 how it is, especially it, privacy as well. <laughs> and people people love to rag on Ubuntu. I get it. Canonical can be a little bit evil for, I guess, a Linux community. but 
we're really talking about Canonical versus Microsoft here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. Like, we're, we're not <laughs> talking about like, am I going to go to the local Christian church or am I going to go down to the Satanist temple? That's not the conversation <laughs> we're having here. Like, oh, am I going to have a salad or eat my neighbor's child? That is not the conversation we're having here. We're having the conversation between cucumbers and lettuce. Well, cucumbers probably have more nutritional value than lettuce, but it probably doesn't mean that I get to slap you if I see you eating a piece of lettuce, right? But we do, we get all keyed up about these things because we learn all about them and we become the guru in the room and the, and the, and the well, actually guy, you know, the well, actually guy, every time you say something, he goes, well, actually it's like, dude, (laughs) just stop it, man. Just, you know, any Linux distro is better than windows. Now, having said that, Back to your point, what if I'm just locked into using Windows and the question that I need answered is, how do I better protect my privacy in Windows? Well, let's have a conversation about that. And in that conversation, you might find that your threat model is really, really low and you're not all that worried about a whole lot. And there are three things that you need to do for you to be comfortable, right? Do those three things and keep using Windows. I will feel sorry for you and I will silently judge you. But I'm not going to shame you about it, right? Or in that conversation, you might start going, okay, well, it sounds like I probably need to figure out this Linux thing. Can you help me with that? But that comes out of a conversation, not out of just this snarky two-word reply, use Linux. And saying, ha, 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 boy, I got that guy. No, you didn't. (laughs) And and, and, because he first, he doesn't know what you're talking about. He just looked for how to install Linux and Windows. (laughs) He thinks you're talking about an application or a program. He doesn't know what you meant. And you've got to hold him by the hand and walk him through that. Be a good person. We are all of us stuck on this ball of dirt together. And darn it, we've got to help each other. It just makes for a better community. Yeah, and, and it, it really does help our cause as well because if we're seen as a toxic community of privacy people, that's not going to help the public perception of what privacy is about, which really is just honoring the person, right? Exactly. Like it, it's just, it's respecting an individual right. And if it's seen as, well, people are, they want this right so they can be assholes to each other, then it's like, okay, well, I guess we can't really deny that if all we do is insult each other all the time. If that's all we ever are, public. right? We look we we, um, we look like we need a good application of preparation H just to face the day. You know, it's like, yeah. dude, just stop it. It's not necessary and you don't have to do that. Uh, just, you know, be be a nice person. Be the person that you would have wanted when you were figuring this out. Genius. Yeah. And I'll say too, another issue is um, and this this kind of goes into what we we're talking about earlier with like a central idea, central model of what privacy looks like. And that's just not the reality. Um, you can use the most insecure, unprivate stuff securely and privately, if you know what the limitations are. We talked about this earlier. Um, Windows, for example, I tried to move over my production workflow for over a year on Linux, right? Um, I, I really did. So first we used GPU pass-through through KVM to set up a Windows VM inside of Arch. Right. Um, that was, that was a super complex setup. It was messy. Um, I was not a fan of it. And also there was a noticeable hit to performance in the Windows VM. Um, even though there was GPU pass-through, I did notice some CPU drop-off, and that did affect my workflow a little bit. Um, now, now real, real day, quickly, was, real quickly for the listeners so that we're not just two nerds having a conversation they don't get. When you talk you, about a VM, <laughs> we, we mean a virtual machine. It's a way to install an operating system inside another operating system as if it were a program 
running in that operating system, but it is a complete operating system that runs. So you can run Linux inside Windows. You can run Windows inside Linux. You could, if you want to go all Inception, you could run Linux inside Windows inside Mac. You wouldn't. It wouldn't. You know, there's a point where this gets silly and you do see these performance drop offs. But that's basically what a virtual machine is, folks. It's just the ability to say, OK, I'm running this operating system, but I need that operating system and I need them both at the same time. I need one to run inside the other so that I have access to all of my stuff all at once without having to shut my machine down and then bring it up in this other operating system. And that's that's a VM or a virtual machine. But, but go ahead, Henry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Thanks for interrupting because um, I totally I get that it, like we do need to check ourselves because sometimes we are talking about things and we just I go back yeah, and listen to you. some episodes and I go, wow, you know, I just said that and I didn't even explain it. <laughs> that was wrong. Yeah. And then I, yeah. I try to fix that in the show notes if I do that. Yeah. Um, but so what happened was um, I, we, we were still using Adobe for our production workflow. And so when, it's only on Windows and Mac OS. So I set up a Windows VM inside of Arch, a Linux distribution. And you, there's something called pass-through where you can essentially make your GPU run inside of the virtual machine as if it was an actual operating system. Because normally that has to be virtualized, right. which there's a, there's a serious performance drop-off when you do that. But with GPU pass-through, it actually runs as a host GPU, essentially, in the VM. But it just wasn't working. It was too messy. My workflow slowed down too much. And so I started looking at DaVinci Resolve, which is a different editor. And so I can move away from Adobe and get away from the frickin' subscription model and, and everything that they stand for. Exactly. And uh, sure enough, I switched over to Resolve. Everything we do on Resolve is on Resolve now, except go incognito, because that's been in production for years on Adobe. And um, so I switched over to just using Linux. So I used Fedora on DaVinci Resolve. Oh, you should use only about... Ubuntu. Come on, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, um, I was having issues with Fedora. I never had issues with Ubuntu, and I, I was having issues with my workflow in Fedora. And long story short, I'm back on Windows. <laughs> um, I've, I've come full circle. It was affecting our ability to, pr to produce content at a rate that I was happy with. Um, it caused me too many headaches. And if, if you have to ask the question, if I'm not able to produce content as quickly as I possibly can, then people are going to suffer from that as well. Right. Um, and so I have to make the decision between sticking with Linux or using Windows. And at the end of the day, my desktop at this point is only used for editing. Okay. I and, could probably make it a fully offline machine. And that's where and, I was going to go next. Okay. So let's say that I've got this one case use, like, you know, because everybody's like, Mitch, I, you know, I, I, I know dozens of people that are like, I would switch to Linux, except I have to use fill in the blank, usually Photoshop, right? Uh, it's like, well, yep. GIMP, I'm not going to use GIMP. GIMP sucks. Well, I don't think so. But, you know, but I'm not a professional uh, photo editor either. So, again, for my use case, GIMP is more than enough. I'm able to do everything I need to do for graphic production, and that's fine. Um, but then so let's say that for my particular use case, I absolutely have to use uh, for my job or for my workflow and my own work or whatever, I have to be able to have this one Windows program. Fine. Then you know what I would do? And this is just me. You do what you do, listener, and it's fine. Just as long as you understand what you're doing. I would dedicate a specific box to that, that that's all I do on. And it's air gapped. It's not even connected to the internet. It will never be connected to the internet. If it were laptop, I'd open it up and remove the Wi-Fi card, physically remove it. I know this machine will never access the internet. And I will 
drop all my stuff onto a USB stick, move it over to that, do my work, drop it back onto a USB stick, move it over to my my main box that is Linux that I contact the internet with. And that's that's how I would do it. Uh, so there are solutions for any case use if you stop and think about it, right? Like from an from an, exactly. from a standpoint of like, hey, I have a problem to solve, right? Like if you've seen the movie The Martian, and if you haven't, shame on you, see the movie The Martian. Uh, but he says, you know, we're going to solve this problem, and then we're going to solve this problem, and then we're going to solve this problem. And if we solve all the problems, we live, right? Exactly. So you move from solution to problem. Like every door you knock down, there's probably another door behind it. Knock it down. Just keep solving problems and you'll get there. For example, I, I have to use, at this point, I feel like I have to use Windows um, unless I want to move over to the, the Apple ecosystem. However, <laughs> if um, that person who asked about Windows versus Linux, right, in the subreddit, right. that person, um, they could have been given, let, let's just go through a theoretical discussion here. Maybe they said, I need Photoshop. Okay, well, you have a couple options. You could dual boot. So you could have um, things separated by hard drive, possibly, or you could even have it on the same hard drive if you wanted to. But you could actually have a Windows operating system running on the same exact computer as maybe Linux. So you could boot into Linux and use that as your personal computer and then um, reboot into Windows and use that for Photoshop. You could just use Linux and use Windows in the virtual machine. You could have, if you have the financial needs to do it, you could just buy a second device just to use the Photoshop. Like, there are so many different options that people have, and you can actually, what you fundamentally described with your air-gapped system is you described taking something that's unprivate and making it private to fit your threat model. Exactly. And there's always, there, there's always an option to do that. Um, you can use Facebook the same way. You can use Twitter the same way. It's, there's always an option to do something that will fit your threat model. I use four different browsers. Here's a good example. I use four different browsers. One of my browsers is Chromium, which is the, uh, for the listeners, that's the open source version of Chrome. It's total nerd humor because if you remember the element table from high school, uh, Chrome is not an element. Chrome is a derivative of an element, and that element is chromium. So chrome like on a motorcycle exhaust pipe or chrome like on your kid's bicycle is made from an element called chromium. And so nerds are funny. They like to do this. So the upstream version of chrome made by Google is an open source thing called chromium. So chrome is made from chromium. Get it? Haha, ha, it's funny. Um, but so I use Chromium and that is the one browser that I don't have anything on. I don't use, I, I've got ad block on it because I hate ads. Um, but I don't have anything on there to actually protect my privacy on that browser. What? The guy that produces enemy of the surveillance state has a wide open <laughs> bare naked browser. I use that browser for writing articles that I intend to publish. <laughs> they're going People to be get that. they're going <laughs> to be published i meant to publish that i never intended it to be private i never do anything else in that browser i open that browser to do my research for my articles i write my articles in LibreOffice, and then i copy and paste that over into a contributor forum at the new american using that browser and i publish the thing that anybody could have just spied on me doing because I was going to publish it anyway, publicly. And that's what people don't get. Because <laughs> like, we have the same problem. People are like, wait, you tell people to use FOSS, free and open source software? You tell them to use Linux? Yet you make your content on Windows? 
and their, their mind kind of goes, whoa, that's kind of hypocritical. But is it really hypocritical if what we're telling people to do is figure out a solution to, to fit their threat model? And in my case, everything that goes through, I mean, to have Google, you have to have, to have YouTube, you have to have a Google account, right? I was going there, I mean, you but, beat me to the punch. It's like, yeah, wait, that, that, wait, 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 you watched my Windows made video on Google owned YouTube and now you're judging me? <laughs> <laughs> right? No, it's about my threat model. It really is. It's about, I understand what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Now I'm not cresking the mind reader. And like you say, we all make mistakes. I could be wrong about something. I have been wrong in the past. I will be wrong again. Uh, one of these days, if I haven't already done it, I'm going to say something on this show that a year later, I'm going to go, I'm going to want to go back and delete that episode. Cause I'm going to be like, I can't believe I said that right? I won't delete it. I'll just fix it in the show notes. So if you're not reading the show notes, you really need to read the show notes. Um, so yeah, it is. It's about your threat model. It's about understanding the principles behind a thing because the what you're doing, the tool you're using, whether that tool is a car or a cordless drill or a VPN, it doesn't matter what the tool is. What matters is, do you know what you're doing when you use that tool? Do you know what it's actually designed for? If you think you can take your, your 1995 Chevy Metro out on the beach, you better take a smartphone or a cell phone with you so you can call a tow truck when you get stuck. Cause that's not what that tool is for, right? You're going to get yes. stuck. You're going to bottom out in the sand and you're going to be stuck. And somebody's going to have to come drag your 95 geo Metro out of the sand because you used the wrong tool for that application. However, you just need to go down to the store and pick up a loaf of bread. That 95 Geo Metro is a great tool. Doesn't look yes. great. Don't get me wrong. I ain't saying it looks good. And you don't look cool in it, but it will get you to the store and back, right? That's what I'm saying. Yep. And and one, I guess this is kind of a derivative of that 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 talk. And I, I think I'm going to close it out with this. The, the Another layer to this is we have a video on YouTube called How to Delete Google. And of course, you can already imagine the comments. <laughs> Tells you to delete Google, has a Google account, <laughs> right? Right, And right. it's funny because in the first minute of that video, I specifically say, because I, the, the whole video talks about my journey deleting my Google account, which was my personal Google account. Right. And um, I tell people right away, no, this is not my business account. This is my personal account that I've had ever since I was 10 years old. And people just don't get it. And that's something that if I could go back, I would have added probably a whole 30 second explanation as to what I mean by that. Because, and there's actually two, two, two points to make about this. One, you can have a Google account. And if it's tied to your business, um, you keep it separate from your personal life and that fits with your threat model, then go for it. Our, our business is everything we do is eventually public information. Exactly. I don't really care if Google gets access to that because it's going to be public. Because I planned um, to publish that. That's right. Exactly. And and the second layer to that, too, is people have to remember, at the end of the day, who are we targeting? If we want privacy to really make a difference, um, like, and I'm asking you, Mitchell, like, if we're, if we're going to be targeting people, who do we need to target to really make a widespread difference in the privacy world? Um, the masses, the people that are on Google and Facebook and fill in the blank. Exactly. Right? What's the good in us posting on Matrix? Oh, make sure to use these privacy tools. And it's like, okay, I'm posting to an echo chamber of people who already know about these tools. Talk about preaching to the choir. Exactly, exactly preaching to the choir. People who've already figured out how to get into something like Matrix don't need me to tell them why privacy matters. 
Oh, they'll pat exactly. me on the back and thank me for it. They'll tell me what a smart boy I am. Um, but I didn't tell anybody anything they didn't already know. And I've not helped anybody. And I could have spent my time doing, I could have just watched Blue Bloods, right? I could have just spent that time watching Blue Bloods or reading Lord of the Rings to my little boy, right? I, why, why take the time to create something like this so that you can reach people who already get it? Like on, I have Facebook, right? I like, I have an official Facebook page for Enemy of the Surveillance State. And early on, I did catch some flack from people like, ha ha, you don't believe in privacy because it's like, wait a second, dude. Uh, can you read the disclaimer right there on the front when you go to my page where it says that the whole reason I'm doing this, like I, I am here because you are here. I say that like right there on there. Like I came here because you're already here. Sometimes if you're going to try to save the world, you're going to get your hands dirty. And what we're trying to do, Henry, and this, I don't think this sounds grandiose. I'm not overly proud uh, I think there's some humility involved in recognizing the truth of like what it is you're trying to do. What you and I are trying to do is save the world. I, I, I don't think that's overstated. Do you think that's overstated? I, I, I don't, I don't, I think it is. I don't, I don't like to consider what we're doing like saving the world, but I do like to think that any small thing we do can, can make a better change. There's no better feeling than, than someone saying like, Oh, I found your channel and now like I really got into the privacy scene. Like just that one person, it really does mean the world. Right. So, so I guess, like, I guess to put it in perspective, here's what I mean by saving the world. I don't mean the whole world. I mean, one person at a time. It's like the story of the guy that's out on the beach, the, the tides going out, the sun's going down and, uh, and this guy's out on the beach and he's, he's picking up starfish that have washed ashore and he's throwing them out in the ocean. Right. Cause they're going to dry out and die. And this other guy comes along and goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm saving these starfish because if, if they, you know, the sun comes up and they're out here, they're going to dry out and die. And he's, you know, he's throwing them out there. And the guy says, man, there are, there are thousands of them. You can't make a difference. He picks up one starfish, throws it out in the ocean and says, well, it made a difference to that one. Right. So I guess that's what I mean by saving the world. Like we are, we are taking on the machine one person at a time. Now, maybe I can't do anything about everybody. And there are some people that just, they're not going to listen to us. They don't care. They think their Alexa is the best thing in the world, and I'm an idiot for telling them they are probably wrong for having an Alexa, right? Um, that that maybe that's not the best choice they could have made. That you admit you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Your tinfoil hat's too tight. All of that stuff. Fine. Okay. You don't want to hear it? That's cool. That guy over there wants to hear it, so I'm going to go talk to that guy. Exactly. It's a rewarding place to be, I think, just because it is almost like a small person fighting the big a big brother at this point exactly so um just making any kind of impact i guess does feel good and um the fact that we do have such large communities and i, I don't want to bag to when i say matrix it was just an example we do have a matrix community and they're great <laughs> but um at the end of the day like same thing with the privacy community right if you're in the, the subreddit privacy and all you're doing is spreading information there like yes yeah, you might be targeting some newbies but at the end of the day like we we just we have to have people making the sacrifice to go on platforms where everyone else is, the 99 plus percent of people who are using Google, who have no idea about why Google is not a privacy friendly company, they're never going to think to go to, to, to the privacy subreddit to see why Google's unprivate. They're going to be using YouTube. Because they they're don't be, know what they don't know. Exactly. And that's what we're targeting. Like you have to target those people and someone has to do it. If exactly. we're not going to do it, I hope that someone else would because someone has to. Yeah, you know, you said something earlier. You said what what a great feeling it is. So I want to I want to read you and the listeners this. I, I get this email first thing this morning. I come out to my to my office, which is behind my house, and I sit down at my desk and I fire up my my 
Proton Mail, and I've got my personal account that I never talk about on the show. I don't give that address out. That's that's for people that I actually know uh, or work with in the real world. But the email address for the show is enemyofsurveillance at protonmail.com. And I fire it up, and I have an email here from fillintheblank at protonmail.com. And uh, Toby, I won't use his last name. He, he has given me permission to read this. Uh, but he he wrote, Mr. Shaw, I would first like to thank you for your Enemy of the Surveillance State podcast. I just recently started listening to all of your past episodes. A few years ago, I dissolved my relationship with Google and Microsoft. I switched to ProtonMail, DuckDuckGo, the Brave web browser, and the Linux-based Ubuntu operating system. But there was still one thing I lacked, and you helped me identify that in your very second episode. My hard drive and its contents were not encrypted. So, this past weekend, I did a fresh install of Ubuntu and upgraded the OS at the same time. I selected the option to encrypt my hard drive, and he goes on from there. So here's a guy that's like, hey, thank you. I never even thought about that, because everybody's going to miss something. And just because a few months ago, my wife said to me, hey, you know that podcast you keep talking about doing? And I said, yeah. And she said, would you either do it or stop talking about it? And so I did it. So just because of that, and I'm not a guru, guys, I, I don't walk on what well, I do, but my shoes get wet. OK, so I mean, I'm not I don't have all my ducks in a row. I don't know everything, but I know a thing or two about this because I've spent about a decade digging down into it. And just because of that, here's one guy, Toby. God bless you, brother. He's listening. He's learning and he's thankful for what we're doing to help people understand these privacy issues. So on that point, I want to say a big thank you also to Sunflower, uh, the newest patron on Patreon uh, that has recently begun supporting the show. And if you want to consider supporting the show, if you're out there listening, and I'm going to put links in the show notes for all of uh, for all of your stuff too, Henry, please uh, send me that because I want to put links down there where people can find you, where if they want to support you, they can support you. Uh, the work that, that you're doing is worth that support, and I want people to know about you. But I want to thank Sunflower for that, and if anybody else... Uh, wants to support the show, there'll be a link in the show notes to go to the Patreon page. I also have a Teespring account where you can get like t-shirts and hoodies. I know it's August, right? But maybe in September, October, November, uh, maybe a hoodie, uh, laptop stickers, coffee cups, things like that uh, to show your support and, uh, and, and throw a, sh a few shekels our direction so that I can keep doing the show. And look, I like to say this, friends don't let friends get spied on. Tell people about this show. Tell people about tech lore. Let's get the message out there for people who don't know, because that seems to me, Henry, to be sort of the theme, at least of the tail end of this conversation. Like people don't know what they don't know. And a good friend that's watching someone get their data stolen from them by three letter agencies of the federal government or nosy corporations or hackers would say, hey, man, um, listen to this or watch this or read this, right? Like if there was a single book you could give somebody that between the covers of that book was everything they needed to know to protect their privacy and you had that book, you would be a lousy friend to watch someone go, okay, Google, and not hand them that book, right? Like that's just a lousy friend. Now, I'm not saying beat people over the head with the book, but at least offer that to them. Say, hey, here's this podcast you can listen to. Share the podcast on your social media profiles. You know, send it out to friends and emails. I'm not, I'm not asking you to spam people. Don't drive people crazy. I like to say there's a difference between eye contact and a piercing maniacal stare. You can carry a good thing too far, but make sure people know that there are solutions out there. And if they want that information, 
make sure that they can get to it. Uh, Henry, God bless you, brother. It has been, again, a real pleasure. Uh, just, I mean, we got to chat a little bit, but the listeners didn't get to hear that last time because that was the intro and outro like before uh, the before show and after show when I had start mail on or uh, yes, start page, uh, the girls from start page. Uh, but it's always a pleasure speaking with you, man. Thank you for everything that you're doing with tech lore. Yeah. And, and the same goes back to you. I mean, um, keep at it. I, I really enjoy the, your ability to also, I, I guess, take hard, hard to understand concepts and just, um, make it easy to understand the most people. Um, and again, like the, the, the passion you have is, is very obvious. And that's what I, I guess uh, I enjoy watching the most. Brother, I appreciate that. God bless you. Folks, I will catch you on the next episode of Enemy of the Surveillance State. Remember, this show is written, produced, recorded by, posted by, and managed by me, C. Mitchell Shaw. Uh, the intro and outro music is by a buddy of mine. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. If you want to get your hands on some really cool music, you've got a daughter getting married, you got a big party coming up, you want to have a song written that you will actually own. He doesn't pay me for doing that. Uh, I just, I like the guy and he made my theme song for me and he's a good guy and he does good work. He was a real pro to work with. Information will be in the show notes along with information about this entire episode, all of the relevant stuff that we've talked about, how to find tech lore and, and find out more about that. Uh, my Patreon and Teespring account and all of that stuff. So stay tuned and we'll catch you next time. God bless you and stay safe out there.